Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of January 21st through January 29th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. Recording in my PJs. And Ben Limero. What's going on? This week's episode is actually at the end of week. It's a little late or a little early, depending how you want to look at it. Uh, we're kind of combining last week's episode that got cancelled with this week's upcoming episode and putting them out now instead of waiting for next Wednesday. Uh, the reason is because we've got a ton of news about games, games, and more games that came out in the last couple days. Uh, we got announcements, new details, even some rumors, and lots more. Uh, Nintendo really covered all the bases here. We got Pokemon, Smash, Fire Emblem, Zelda, so much more. It's going to be a loaded news segment. Then after the break, an insider working in Japan says that Bandai Namco is working on a Smash Bros. game for NX. So we'll be digging into that, you know, whether to trust it, what it might bring to the table. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, so our first story is a new Pokemon game that nobody expected. Great Detective Pikachu. <laughs> it stars a talking Pikachu in a Sherlock Holmes hat. It is a mystery-solving adventure game for the 3DS eShop, launching as early as February 3rd in Japan, so just a couple more days. Uh, there's no word on whether it'll launch worldwide, but the trailer's gorgeous. The game's visuals really impressive. Uh, we've also got a version of the trailer with English subtitles, an early batch of screenshots, and a huge second batch of screenshots that came alongside with some more details on the game, like characters and stuff like that. Uh, all that is at Gamnesia if you want to check it out and learn more. Yeah, you know, this is kind of surprising just because they they teased that this was an idea they were working on like three years ago. And they it, didn't it, tease it, they announced it. But they never, yeah, it was three years ago and they never spoke anything. They, they, when they announced it, it was sort of like a, uh, we don't know if this is going to come to fruition or not. Like, this is a project, we're dabbling with it. Was it really? I thought it was a, okay, I thought it was an actual game that they were working on they displayed. They kind of pitched a concept, but I, I think, okay. if I remember yeah. at the time, they said they weren't sure if it was actually going to, you know, there was going to be a final sure. product or if this was just going to be a project, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, I absolutely, you know, I had forgotten about it and I wasn't expecting this to be one of the uh, 20th anniversary games. Yeah, <laughs> I think I the concept when I first heard about it back way back when didn't sound too strange to me, but seeing the product as it's coming along, you know, with a talking Pikachu with the like the middle-aged man voice it's it's <laughs> oh like my God. who 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 greenlit the direction for this thing because it's excellent I love them. excellent <laughs> i know oh yeah, it's my just God. so uh, different from what you expect yeah also hilariously fans are really pushing hard for danny devito to voice the detective pikachu in uh english-speaking countries um there's a change.org petition with over ten thousand signatures it's it's closer to thirty thousand now is it really yeah. oh my god it's only been a day yeah, it's crazy. It's, and, and a fan dubbed the uh, trailer over with hilarious voice clips of Danny DeVito shouting, you know, all this goofy, dramatic stuff. It's fantastic. So uh, I'm a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I know uh, yeah. Alex is too. And almost yeah. all of the lines are from uh, his Frank Reynolds character. Yeah. That, so it's just yeah. wonderful. Um, <laughs> I hope if he does voice the character for the game, I hope when the inevitable Great Detective Pikachu movie comes out that they can get him to reprise oh his role. Because oh my um, god, I would pay lots of money to see that. <laughs> I feel like you're onto something when you say that a great Detective Pikachu movie is inevitable. It's gotta happen. I think you could be onto something there, <laughs> and I'm really I'm crossing my fingers, but I'm keeping well, my especially with how popular you know the Sherlock Holmes character is nowadays. Well, you know, yeah. that's something that's entered into the public domain. So a million different people have you know done TV shows or movies spinoffs of it. So yeah, you're just taking yeah. that demographic and throwing Pikachu in it, and <laughs> apparently the like. Danny DeVito persona on top of that, too. Yeah, Danny DeVito. <laughs> 
they also revealed the commercial that they're airing during the Super Bowl. Uh, they uploaded that to YouTube. It's really just a promo for the Pokemon brand and its 20th anniversary rather than any particular product like we had sort of suspected uh, Pokemon Go. Um, you should definitely watch it for yourself. That's way better than any description that we can give you. But uh, man, this commercial was amazing. I think what I liked most about it, and this is something we haven't seen a lot of in Nintendo's advertising, uh, or even Pokemon advertising, but I loved that it was very uh, cohesive and similar to the Pokemon Go advertisement. Yeah. Um, like it's using the same kind of styles, the same kind of advertising sort of gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the slogan is at the center. Like it, it's, it was just a really, really great commercial, and it and it speaks to what the the Pokemon brand is about right now. So Well, yeah, at the same I time, can... also being subtle, it, it doesn't really, you know, shove Pokemon down your throat. You don't even realize it's a Pokemon commercial till almost near the end. It just, it's sort of a, I don't want to say generic, but it's, it, it almost feels like a Nike commercial, like this inspiring, yeah. you know, commercial of people working hard to achieve their goals. Well, I mean, so. it's totally appropriate for the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. That, that sort of attitude is exactly what they want to push forward in that sort of you know, in that moment. There's uh, there's a couple other interesting points that uh, I noticed that have to do with the length of the commercial. Like we said before, Super Bowl commercials are just crazy expensive. It's like four and a half million dollars, and that's for a 30-second slot. And this commercial was 80 seconds long, so either they're going to have to well, scale Well, this is it... the extended version. Right, well, I'm we saying, know you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to scale it back, you know, to a certain degree. Uh, yeah, but I really hope Nintendo at large is watching what the Pokemon company's doing with the trailers and stuff like this. Um, you know, Pokemon Go. Uh, because this, this is what advertising looks like. Yeah, not just the content, but the placement of it. The mm-hmm. uh, fact that it's not being geared specifically toward children is, is the attitude the fact that the, all the audio and you know the explanations of the game and you know showing showcasing what the game does is not just explained in bubbly text that pops up that you have to read well it, do, it doesn't seem like it's explaining anything really it's just well, right, showing right. you this cool stuff and that's just right that's, that's my point is that you want to be showing people cool things you don't want to be popping up bubbly text explaining game mechanics during a trailer that's what nintendo's always been doing you know the last like for years now. Well, yeah, um, and even if they're not popping up text boxes, they're they're trying to tell you what the game is. They're not like yeah. showing you, oh, this is this really cool IP that we have going for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, get excited for the IP, not for this sort of game mechanic concept right. that we're pushing. Right. But I, I'm speaking more specifically in terms of specific games, like because uh, I'm thinking about like Pokemon Go. Um, for example, and that didn't really explain to us much mechanically about what it does, but everyone's really excited for it, no matter <laughs> what. So. Yeah. Um, this is just another sort of pillar in that advertising where they're showing off a brand rather than a specific game. But, you know, the, the, the point that I'm making is just that uh, the Pokemon company is doing excellent things with their marketing that Nintendo at large needs to latch on to. Yeah. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll see more of that with uh, Kamishima at the helm. You know, he he used to be in charge of the Pokemon Company. Yeah, hopefully, I'm hoping this is a little bit of his influence too, and not because uh, uh, he's not directly involved with the Pokemon Company anymore, right. as we know. But I'm hoping that that he will bring that to the table. Yeah. So Nintendo is removing a controversial support conversation from Fire Emblem Fates in the West in order to make it more appropriate for this audience. A character named Soleil, who is straight but finds herself getting distracted and infatuated by cute girls, asks the player to help her focus on the battlefield. So the player, Corin, or whatever you want to name him, uh, or her, 
gives Soleil a magic powder that causes her to see women as men and vice versa. So she overcomes the issue, everyone in the game's happy, but it caused a stir on Tumblr when someone wrote a really strong critique of the scenario based on what were allegedly non-professional fan translations of the Japanese text from the game. Um, so that blew up, got a lot of people upset. Meanwhile, Fire Emblem fans pushed back, saying, you know, these allegations aren't true, that information is not correct. Um, so it's, it's become this kind of controversy. Some people see the scene as promoting gay conversion and, and drugging and other kinds of stuff, so Nintendo just decided, you know, it's, it's best to take this out. Um, they're also removing that petting mini game that was like Pokemon Ami, but for Fire Emblem support characters. Yeah, a lot of people are saying, you know, this is changing the vision of the game, but... I, I don't think it is. It's a couple minutes of dialogue. Well, not only that, but... Uh, when you think about it, this is the kind of stuff that, that flies in a game that's made for the Japanese market, but it right. would never have flown for a game made for the Western market. Well, right. Um, I mean, that's what localization is. <laughs> right. And and the way that we know Fire Emblem games are made is they're made for the Japanese market first. They're not made mm -hmm. with a global audience in mind necessarily. And then right. uh, Nintendo of America gets their hands on it and, and, and tweaks it. So this isn't it, it. If the game were made with a global audience in mind, you can bet that this stuff would never have made it in the game in the first place because this kind of stuff is horrendously creepy in the West. Yeah, uh, I mean, particularly the petting mini game, but but also the the sort of using the drug to uh, change your yeah your that's, affections. N that that would never have flown. Yeah, like the scene is literally he puts powder in her drink. Nah, oh, that's even worse. Don't want that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, nothing about that is okay in the West. And, you know, that's that's something for Nintendo to consider going forward is that Fire Emblem is becoming more popular in the West, especially with, you know, how many of its characters are included in Smash Bros. So mm -hmm. in the future, they may want to consider the global market a little more during development rather than yeah. just during localization. During localization. And, and, and in that way, they can sort of avoid these these big issues. Because you're right, it is something that is not seen as problematic at all in, in the Japanese market, at least so I've heard. I haven't grown up in Japan, so... Um, but well, when you look at Japanese market trends, it, the trend is toward the sort of otaku-type consumers being the largest segment of consumers for, for games, and in particular handheld games. So that's yeah. why a lot of these things are starting to become more prominent in Fire Emblem where they weren't before. Right. So it will be a it will be a delicate balancing act because Nintendo has to sort of remain relevant in Japan in the home market while also being relevant mm -hmm. on a global scale. Right. And and the issue I think that that is getting a lot of unjust criticism is yeah, that localization of removing that content because what do you want them to do? Keep that scene in the game and then have a, a you know a after all this Bill Cosby stuff, do you really want a scene where he's putting powder in someone's drink? Right. No! Yeah, do you really want to defend this content being part of the game? Like, come on! I, I can completely understand if someone wants, you know, to keep this content in the game for the sake of the game or for the sake of the, you know, the vision, but it's just... Nintendo can't allow that. No. There's nothing they can do. Not, not in this context. Yeah, you know, kind of either way, they're gonna have a PR problem. Yeah. You know, they, they would be in much worse water if they kept it, so... Right, yeah. Anyway, we've got a bunch of new info on Twilight Princess HD. Nintendo officially revealed the new dungeon called the Cave of Shadows. You unlock it with the Wolf Amiibo. You're stuck as Wolf Link for the entire dungeon, which means no sword, no shield, no healing. Uh, they also confirmed the Amiibo details that we talked about in the last episode. We also learned that you can turn into a wolf or a human with a new fast access button on the gamepad. There may be a new item for hunting pose. They're improving load times and some animations to save you time while playing. And finally, there's a new story trailer and some comparison videos to the original game. Uh, nothing crazy there, but still cool to see, see how the visuals stack up. 
the more I see this game in motion, the the happier I am with how it's turning out, with a couple exceptions. Wolf Link looks like ass! <laughs> and Epona also looks incredibly like ass! Um, like, I can't believe that with all the texture rework they've been doing, uh, specifically with the environments, that those two characters, characters that you see for most of the yeah. game, still look really bad. I mean, mm. honestly, I'm, I'm still hung up on the fact that the visuals as a whole just look so outdated, but there's nothing we can do at that point. We've... It's it's this sort of weird thing where where it looks a lot like how I remember Twilight Princess looking. Yeah. But then you compare it to how Twilight Princess actually looks, and it's like, oh, I can see this is a huge improvement. Yeah, well, it's it's like Ocarina of Time 3D, Majora's Mask 3D. It's like, these look like the way we imagined them as kids, and as kids, mm-hmm. we imagined them looking, you know, like the Like the artwork, gorgeous. basically. Yeah. Exactly. The way that Twilight Princess HD looks is the way we remember Twilight Princess originally looking, and we remember Twilight Princess looking okay. Yeah, yeah. And so now Twilight Princess HD looks okay. <laughs> yeah. it's, eh. And it's and it's ten years later, and it's and it doesn't look be- like noticeably yeah. better unless you put them side yeah. by side. Like we said, it looks worse for 2016 than the original did for 2006, and the yeah. original didn't look. It looked. Okay. It looked okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I'm Nintendo's releasing a lot about this game in rapid fire succession. I'm not sure how I like the the Zelda news cycle these days. Triforce Heroes had a lot of really quick minor updates, a lot too. It's hard to keep track of some of this stuff. I feel like. Well, I feel like yeah. these are kind of interim games. Uh, Wind Waker yeah. HD was an interim game. Majora's Mask 3D is an interim game. Uh, you know, so they're not they're intending them to sort of be the the games that make you not forget about the Zelda series before the new game comes out. So. But I mean, who forgets about Zelda? I know, right? Well, the yeah. the market that game is well, yeah, but not the eight million seller question. it was back in when the Wii came out. Hyrule Warriors, though Hyrule Warriors Legends came out of Japan, which means we do know a lot more about that game. Uh, apparently, the Japanese version has full English data inside it too. So if you want to play early, you might want to do some research into that. I've heard some conflicting stuff, so I, I'm not sh- totally sure yet. But uh, in Hyrule Warriors Legends, the Wolf Link amiibo unlocks special enchanted weapons for Midna. I think those are compatible with the Wii U game too. I think all content is right. Um, I think all the characters' weapons and and so on are. I don't know about Are the stages. Uh, I don't know about stages. I like the stages. Okay. Uh, there's also no more playable characters. Linkle was the last one, so I'm still a little salty that Groose got excluded yet again. <laughs> but otherwise, it's pretty cool stuff. Groose will arrive on the NX version. I hope. I hope there's an NX version. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's been popular enough. I think so oh, too. Yeah, I'd say a, a sequel rather than like a, yeah. an updated port, yeah. maybe on NX. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just I can't believe it. But that's that's another for another time. Uh, so, to top off the games talk before we get into one company story and then some rumor stuff, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some games that have come out in the last few weeks. So, Pokemon Picross came out a little while ago, and Alex recently reviewed it for Gamnesia. Meanwhile, I've been busy playing Mario & Luigi Paper Jam for our reviews, uh, which is hopefully going to come out relatively soon. Um, but Alex, you want to start off the Picross discussion? Yeah. So, if you've never played Picross before, that's probably the best sort of place to start. Uh, when talking mm-hmm. about Pokemon Picross. Uh, Picross is a very simple puzzle game where you create pixel art uh, pictures out of uh, a puzzle. Uh, the, it's sort of like a combination of Sudoku and Minesweeper where you use logic to figure out which squares need to be filled in, and at the end you get a mm-hmm. nice picture. Um, and it's a great fit for Pokemon because not only are the there are lots of Pokemon, so lots of different things to, to depict and lots of ways that you can 
there are a lot of characters that I hadn't even I didn't even remember seeing from from the latest generation that I was oh re, my God, I've forgotten reintroduced so many of them. to with with Pokemon Picross. So it's a, it, it'll be a great way to introduce people to Pokemon and and maybe even other Nintendo IP uh, for the first time. But also, like the way the Pokemon art is, it's, the puzzles aren't necessarily really, really easy to just kind of figure out just based on what you expect the art to look like. So the puzzles can be really challenging. So as a Picross game, it's a really great game, a really great IP to match the game with, uh, and it, it, mm-hmm. it's just good Picross. But the one thing, the one problem I had with it was that the free-to-play model is mostly good, but after a while, unless you really know where you're supposed to be investing your pick rights, uh, you can run into some walls. So... Yeah, I I have not found that to be as much of an issue because I actually bought a ton of Picross in the store. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I really like about Pokemon Picross, um, besides from w- w- one mechanic, uh, the whole catching and abilities stuff to use to help solve puzzles, I thought that is all awesome. Super fitting for Pokemon, really helpful for Picross, a great crossover uh, mechanic too. Um, but the free-to-play model, I think is actually, for the most part, really good. They could handle the sort of the navigation of it better yeah. i think um that's that's really clunky um but that's overall the only complaint really that i have about the game is is navigating once you've got the right amount of pick rights for pick rights for stuff exactly um but i've paid something like 22 bucks or something like that when you pay the full 30 dollars which is 10 dollars less than a normal retail game you basically you get unlimited pick rights and yep. you can play forever as if you just bought the game which is an amazing model that's what they need to do yep. because people who want to just play a little bit for the puzzle stuff they can earn pick rights through the challenges they can earn pick rights you know through the normal gameplay um and they can they can play this game for free and really enjoy it but also if you want to pay money and get the really full experience you know like a full retail game immediately then you can it's great i had you know flashback memories of buying like pokemon dash or like pokemon troze and uh you know getting these things at full retail price and thinking well maybe maybe this wasn't worth forty dollars and then, uh, you know, experiencing it now with Pokemon Picross, I was like, man, this is how they should have been doing it all along. This is an amazing model. Yeah, yeah. The uh, sort of you hit the maximum that you can spend on this game and you have unlocked the whole game is, is a great approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would you recommend it to people? I definitely would. I've I definitely would recommend it. that you try it out. And if you want to, you know, unlock puzzles that you don't have enough pick rates for, it, uh, either play the challenges and, and unlock pick rights that way or, or spend a little money if you think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of content. I've spent hours and hours and hours and I'm maybe halfway through the normal world and there's a whole negative world too. So like, wow. Yeah. Um, it's so much content. It's unbelievable. Um, but it sounds like that's winding down. So should we move over to Paper Jam? Let's let's do that. Should we though? <laughs> uh, the Rescue Toad um, So Paper Jam... I have been having really complicated feelings about. I sometimes love it and sometimes hate it. You have to be really, really, really forgiving of its faults because there are a lot of them and they get really, really frustrating. But when you are forgiving, it's incredible and it's lovely and charming and so much fun and I can just get enthralled and enthusiastic and really, really enjoy it. So, and this is, this is, where it gets so difficult for me because sometimes I'm in a much more forgiving mood when I'm playing this game than others. So 
it's so hard to sort out what my actual feelings on the game as a cohesive whole are because I feel like it is so bogged down by what it does wrong. It just doesn't reflect the way that the game really feels to play. So, I, I mean, I don't know. And you, you can hear me sort of havering here. Like, it's just so hard to pinpoint. Yeah, I've been playing... This is going to sound like a sidebar, but I'll bring it back around. I've been playing The Witness, that new puzzle game that released on PS4, and that's a game that requires a lot of patience out of you, but the game, that's part of the game experience, is the game requires you to be patient and and methodically figure out what you're supposed to do. With this game, it sounds more like you have to be patient with the game, and that's not what the the creators intended for the game. I mean, it it, it seems like it is what they intended, but they just intended something really dumb. (laughs) Like, I can't... uh, Let me tell you something that really happened. I was in Bowser's Castle, and I was... This isn't spoilers, by the way. There's basically no story to this game. That's another big complaint I have with it. But I was in Bowser's Castle, and I finally ran into Bowser Jr. and Paper Bowser Jr., and it was obvious that there was going to be a big boss fight now, you know, a big climactic boss fight. So they're talking all their things. They're doing, you know, the pre-boss rants that, you know, they always do in Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi. And then, instead of dumping me into a boss fight, it dumped me into a challenge mission. It was a stealth mission. It was like I had to walk just to the end of the room in Bowser's castle and not get spotted by Mecha Koopas. It was like a, it was one of those really bad, like Nintendo type stealth missions when I'm supposed to be fighting these guys in a boss fight. I had to do that twice and then I could fight them. Why do you break the pacing of the game so terribly? And this is really signature of the entire, you know, this, these kinds of frustrating moments of terrible, just awful pacing happen all the time in this game right and so i don't know i mean playing the actual game is fun but those pacing issues those those moments of frustration and these challenge mini games that are downright bad and boring they just really ruin it so (laughs) i just i have no idea where i stand on this yeah that does suck yeah. Because as you were saying that, I was like, oh, they're like dangling a carrot in front of you. That can be fun in games sometimes. No, it's but all the it time. it sounds like it's just frustrating it's, in this game. And yo, yeah. And sometimes like it makes so little sense every single time it happens. And there's also, they, they intersperse these kinds of challenge missions. There are some of those in moments like that with boss fights. There are some of those where you just have to go to a Lakitu house and say, oh, there's a roadblock in the road. So let me do like 10 challenge missions, unlock a bunch of paper toads, and then they'll pull the roadblock out of the way it's so artificial it's just bad design like you might say it's a paper jam oh my god (laughs) yeah um i don't know but and for as much as i'm as as i'm sort of exasperated over this i do really the battle system is incredible the music is amazing the visuals are pretty good um stylistically i think they're the right direction but they they don't have any outlines or shading or any lighting effects or anything so kind of like kind of like dream team yeah no it's exactly like dream team so it's it's visually like at the same time really interesting and appealing but also really hard to look at it can be pretty ugly at times especially when there's like a row of cheap cheeps floating around each other and it's like 
Where does one of them start and the other one end? I don't which know. Is, which is such a shame because I feel like the, the games on Game Boy Advance and DS looked fine. Oh, no, they looked amazing. They were so. beautiful. And, and so this one, I mean, I think they're just struggling in that sense to find the art direction of Mario and Luigi as it transitions to 3D. Um, and I think they're on the right path to that. But I, I think they just need to figure out the lighting effects and stuff better because, um, because sometimes it can get really ugly to look at. Um... I've touched on mostly everything. I'd like to speak a little bit more about how much I enjoy playing the battle system and stuff. And, um, you know, it's kind of immersive, but I don't know. I just, there's, there's no specific sentiments that I have in the same way that I have about the pacing issues and the, the plot devices and just talking and talking and talking. There's so much talking <laughs> in this game. So the writing's fun, but like it's, there's way too much. But they need to stop doing it. Yeah. They need to get rid of Starlow, <laughs> man. I. Anyway, um, we're going to move on. We've got one last story before the rumor stuff. Um, Nintendo of America's senior manager of developer relations has left the company after 25 years. According to his LinkedIn, Nintendo offered him an early out, which may suggest that Nintendo is actively looking to replace him in order to shift their focus some way. Um, or I'm inclined to believe that it's really just to get some fresh blood in that department at the you know, top, top level, because their third-party relations, especially in the West, have been just abysmal for years. And as the game industry transitions more and more to the West, um, as we're seeing, they're really going to need someone who's who's bringing some fresh, creative, and effective ideas to the table. Yeah, you know, Nintendo is a Japanese company, but they you can still have a, a much better global reach than they do. You know, Nintendo is very Japan-centric in terms of their development teams. And you look at Sony, and they've always had a much stronger presence in mm -hmm. the West. And they recently actually restructured their company in a way that essentially makes PlayStation a uh, Western developer. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're headquartered in America now. And so this, this guy, he's been with Nintendo for 25 years, and specifically he's been in third-party developer relations for 15 years. So for them to offer him an early out of his contract now, like you said, it suggests they're they're looking to shake things up yeah. a little bit. And I hope it means that they're going to have a, a stronger Western focus and worry a little bit less about pushing things in Japan and a little bit more about pushing things in America. Because yeah. the Japanese dedicated console market is just shrinking up at a rapid rate. Mobile market is is just booming in Japan, and it's not even close now. Mobile games generate more than handhelds and consoles combined in Japan. And that's not a trend that looks like it's going to stop anytime soon. Right, and it's it, the last thing that the NX needs is to repeat the same third-party issues that the GameCube, Wii, and Wii U all had. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the big problems with Nintendo right now is their consoles don't have the the brand in terms of what third-party games are coming to their systems um, and when and how well they're coming because we see so many Wii U ports at the beginning of the console were just so buggy and awful. Um, you know, those issues really hurt its brand as a console that is for hardcore gamers as well. And so that's something that they need to fix going forward. Uh, looping back to that point we made about Fire Emblem earlier, um, and, and this sort of ties into what you said about Japan, Ben, um, but, you know, if mm -hmm. their, their idea is to focus on uh, Western gamers and, and try to court more Western gamers, they're going to need to not just focus on uh, publishers that, that have a Western footprint, but also focus on game types that have a Western footprint. Uh, because these otaku-type games aren't, aren't just aren't really that relevant in the west mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's funny when you when i first saw this news i was like nintendo has a manager of developer relations that isn't masahiro sakurai 
Like, <laughs> like, because that's he's he's the guy who's been the best at kind of getting crap done. That's been great oh, for totally. Nintendo uh, as far as third parties totally. go. So yeah, striking uh, deals with uh, Square Enix and Capcom. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So push more of that, and they got the Knuckles costume. Yeah. Oh yeah. Push more of that stuff on on Western <laughs> publishers and, and developers. All right. So speaking of NX, though, uh, a lot of reports have indicated that NX could launch this holiday season, and many analysts agree. David Gibson, however, has provided a somewhat unique take on the situation, predicting that a handheld version of NX will launch in 2016, and a home console version will launch next year. Uh, The report that he's basing this prediction off of even goes so far as to say that NX may be compatible with smartphones, PCs, and even other home consoles, although that's speculation based on some of Nintendo's more recent patents instead. Adding fuel to the fire, though, GameStop recently conducted a survey asking if people plan to purchase NX within the next 12 months, so it would appear that things really are revving up for 2016 launch. And we're all terribly surprised. I mean, yeah, (laughs) Wii U is dead in the water. They need the NX out as soon as they can. Um, But about the handheld specifically, uh, this, I I think there's some, some credence to this. Yeah, you know, originally when they when they debuted new Nintendo 3DS and they talked about how with the extra CPU power they were going to be able to make exclusive games for it and such, I thought, you know, okay, it's going to be a few years before we see a new handheld. But now they've done nothing with new Nintendo 3DS. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've they've released some games that maybe have a few extra features if you have the new model, but you know, essentially they they have not done anything with it. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're already looking to replace it, which is unfortunate because a lot of fans went out and bought a new 3ds, believing that there would be more exclusive content for it. Yeah, um, I don't know if they should have believed it though. <laughs> well, Nintendo was saying we're at least going to make remakes, and did that materialize? Yeah, that, that didn't no, really materialize. Yeah, so, so, who knows? Um. um for as far as the sort of split launch, though, um, I'm kind of mixed on how I feel about it. Because on the one hand, Nintendo has had issues with consumer confusion about like which devices they actually are supporting. Like people didn't know Wii U was a new console, so I could mm-hmm. see splitting the launch being useful for them in that department, in the sense that they can communicate the messaging for each device individually. Uh, but at the same time, if one of the strengths is that these devices have a lot of crossover. Uh, and in particular, if the libraries are the same, I think it would be really valuable to launch both side by side. So yeah, I don't I don't know which would wind up being better, but but you know it's something to, I think to think about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that point. Although I think that uh, just you know, people have a very valid point when they say that 2016 is too soon after Wii U to launch a new home console. That would be such a rapid you know research and development period. Uh, the manufacturing. You know, they they would be in such a time crunch. It might not even end up being a good console if it, you know, they had to do it that quickly. Um, so I can see why there might be uh, value in the idea that the home console iteration is coming in 2017. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they they have done a more rapid release before, and that was between the Game Boy Advance and the and the DS. And obviously, the DS got a redesign a couple of years in, but, right? But, but it's not a totally unprecedented thing, right? But that is in the portable space too, and not in the home console. Yeah, that space. is that is so, that is true. And at the time, they sort of presented it as this is just a new pillar in our business. It's not a replacement to Game Boy. Well, but they've said similar things about NX exactly. as well. Well, right, and NX has to worry about competitive consoles and keeping up with that market, whereas Nintendo defined the portable market every time they released right. something new. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot more working against them here than there was in 2004. Yeah. 
So there's a rumor going around too that Monolith Soft is making a direct sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles X for the NX. Uh, I think it's best not to believe this. The source, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have a track record of leaking insider information accurately, and the series director has already heavily indicated that his next project is not a Xenoblade game. Um, I think he originally indicated that about Chronicles X too, but I... I I don't follow Xenoblade too heavily. Anyway, this rumor could be true, but it seems like we just don't have any reason to believe it. Uh, and in fact, we we may have reason to maybe believe that it's not true. So, yeah, I mean, if we if it's going to happen, we'll hear something. But I'm yeah. not putting stock in this either way. Yeah, at this point, just rumor dispelled. Don't don't listen, guys. Yeah, ignore the buzz. <laughs> As for interesting rumors, though, that uh, are a little more credible, a group of industry insiders, including Liam Robertson and Emily Rogers, revealed this week that five different sources have tipped them off to an unannounced Wii U game launching this year. Rogers later revealed that the mystery game is a new Paper Mario title, and apparently it's already in the testing and localizing phases. Uh, I know what all three of us are thinking. It's gotta be an, an RPG this time, please. Yeah, yeah. If if they go back to the style of the first two, I will be just so thrilled. Yeah. honestly, I've I've been waiting for a, a traditional Paper Mario game for a long time, and you know they could do some interesting things with the gamepad, and it'd be the first HD Paper Mario. Yeah. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm really worried worried that since Nintendo's theme lately has been to do you know experimental spinoffs, that they're going to continue doing that. So I I feel like they had to hear the the outcry after Sticker Star though. I feel like yeah. there's no if they do another experimental thing with Paper Mario. They've gotten so out of touch. It's unbelievable. Well, post Sticker Star, they still did Paper Jam, and you know, that's, well, but that's exactly the same game. thing. But Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that that reflects on the Paper Mario series at all, but you're right. So, my one thought on that subject is, and I've, I've sort of talked about this before about other games that are coming out toward the end of the Wii U's life cycle, but it's really, really important for Nintendo to nail the end of a console's life, because... First of all, in the past, they've been really, really terrible at it. But second of all, it, it sort of reminds consumers that, yeah, we're, we're making great games and you can expect games that are some of the best we've ever made. And if they make a Paper Mario that is really the Paper Mario everybody's been waiting for at the end of the Wii U's life cycle, that could give a lot of those players... Uh, reason to move over and reason to have faith in them in the future. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Particularly the ones who've been sticking with them and waiting around for the new Paper Mario. Um <laughs> Ah, it's been a long time, but we're finally being rewarded. And in that sense, I'm glad it's not something that's being kicked to NX, because mm -hmm. a game like that, you know, first of all, Paper Mario tends to come tw toward the later end of a console's life cycle anyway, but it, it'd just be such a great symbolic way to send off Wii U. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but uh, yeah, that'd be really nice. All right, and as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we are bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above or anything you hear about in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page, you'll see all these links. So first, we've got some upcoming dates to look out for, as well as recent releases. Minecraft Story Mode's first episode is now available for Wii U, alongside Zack and Wiki, Quest for Barbados' Treasure on the eShop, and Splatoon's final DLC map, so no more free updates, guys. Also on the eShop, Earthbound, Metroid, and more are on sale until February 4th. For European Wii U owners, Mario Kart 64 and Final Fantasy Tactics Advance are now on the Virtual Console, and Pokemon Rumble World launched at retail. 
For 3DS, Mario & Luigi Paper Jam and Final Fantasy Explorers are now available worldwide, as is a demo for Project Cross Zone 2. And on both consoles, LEGO Marvel Avengers is available now. We've also got new waves of Amiibo that launched on January 21st. And then upcoming dates. Today, as we're recording this, Bayonetta and Corrin will be shown off in an Inigo Nico stream, so by the time you're listening, you should be able to see that at Gamnesia. And uh, this Monday, maybe next Tuesday, because sometimes it can extend, uh, Nintendo is holding their next investors briefing Q&A session, uh, so we'll be learning a lot more about, you know, the state of the company, some of their future plans, probably. We can look forward to news about mobile stuff, lots of possibilities, uh, but keep an eye on Gamnesia Monday and Tuesday for a lot of news there. February 9th, the first three Pokemon movies are launching as a Blu-ray collection. Also February 9th, this Wednesday, Bayonetta and Corrin are coming to Super Smash Bros. They just announced this like two minutes before I was going to publish the episode, so... March 21st, something involving Sonic is happening, but so far we've only got teasers. March 24th, Hyrule Warriors Legends launches in Europe, and so does the Hyrule Edition New 3DS XL. March 25th, Hyrule Warriors Legends launches in North America. March 31st, Wii Street U is shutting down, very tragic. <laughs> and August 21st, the first ever Pokémon Tournament, Tournament, World Championships, will take place in San Francisco. Alright, and then we've got some facts from last week and reminders for you, some updates. Fire Emblem Fates is getting DLC almost every week for a few months after its launch. Mario Kart 64 does not support GOAT's data on the Wii U Virtual Console. This is especially disappointing to me because the PlayStation 3 was doing fake memory cards for the longest time uh, for their PlayStation 1 and PlayStation oh, 2 yeah, classics. Oh yeah, that's right. And they haven't they haven't figured that out for Wii U for for the controller pack. Like, I mean. They haven't figured out an online infrastructure for Wii U. You really expect them to go all the way to digital memory cards? Um, yeah, no, touche. <laughs> uh, Sakurai explains the reason he removed Wario's shoulder ram in Smash 4. Nintendo explains why there are no new characters and no Paper Luigi in Paper Jam. Final Fantasy Explorers is getting lukewarm reviews, but you can check out the first 30 minutes of footage at Gamnesia to help you decide if it's right for you. I messed up so many consonants in that. Um, the rumors are true. Michael Jackson did work on the Sonic 3 soundtrack. Mighty Number no. 9 is delayed yet again. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Sega is releasing nine 3D Classics games in one retail collection. Fun fact about that, actually, the box art is drawn by Ken Sugimori of Pokemon. And a new Dragon Ball RPG called Project Fusion is coming to 3DS. Looks like a, a fan fiction that someone wrote, honestly. <laughs> Project Fusion. With Broly and Goku fusing. <laughs> Uh, the GameCube-inspired Wii U controller is now available for pre-order, and officially licensed Mega Man headphones are now available to buy. The Yokai Watch anime is successful in the US, and it's now coming to over a hundred new territories. Michael Pachter says Nintendo won't go third-party anytime soon. Evo 2016 will feature Melee, Smash 4, and Pokémon Tournament. 3DS developers can now access the Unity engine for free, and only 5% of game developers are working on stuff for Wii U. That's about 4% more than I was expecting. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. Nintendo's revealed plans for a ton of amiibo launches in 2016. The Roy amiibo is now available for pre-order. Just about everything Pokemon related coming out in the next few months is up for pre-order on Nintendo UK, as well as Wave 3 of the Animal Crossing amiibo, which has Timmy Tommy and Isabelle and stuff like that. Someone made Hyrule Temple a playable character in Smash Bros. Brawl. Because why not? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, a fan-rigged Ocarina of Time to be played by an actual Ocarina. And a new GameCube mod lets you play all your classic games crystal clear through an HDMI cable. Smashified shows us how Crystal would look in Super Smash Bros. Nintendo shut down a Star Fox fan project, so the creator just renamed it. A Halo 5 player recreated Peach's Castle as a multiplayer map in Forge mode. Someone beautifully recreated the iconic Master Sword scene from Ocarina of Time in Unreal Engine. Nintendo held a live Squid Sisters concert in Japan a few days ago. You can check out a trailer, and you can actually check out uh, footage of it now, too. 
And SmashPad is a new mobile app for all your Smash Bros needs, including videos, frame data, tourney info, and more. Smash players meet your new best friend. So that's all for this week's news segment. Long lightning round, I know. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to go to a quick break, but we'll be right back with our thoughts on the rumor that Smash Bros. is coming to NX at launch. In the meantime, please enjoy Bulby's 16-bit remix of the X-Not Fortress theme from Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Alright everybody, we are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. I still haven't shaved today. And Ben Lamoureux. <laughs> I haven't shaved in months. Oh god. <laughs> so this week, Dr. Sirken Toto, who's an industry leader in Japan, he's the CEO of a consultancy firm, he's got a good track record with information he's teased in the past, and he says that the source of his information here is solid. Um, but he says that Bandai Namco is developing several games for the NX, including a Smash Bros. game as a launch title. We've talked before on the show about how Smash Bros. Wii U could get like an upgraded sort of championship edition thing on NX. Uh, so being the psychic geniuses that we are, naturally, it ended up happening. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about this rumor, uh, why or why not it might make sense, and what we would hope or expect it to look like in terms of content and stuff like that. Um, does, does anyone want to start us off? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people are questioning the validity of this rumor because Smash Bros. for Wii U just came out pretty recently, and, you know, they're still working on DLC, and Sakurai is barely functioning as a human being at this point. Um, but, you know, like you said, Sir Cantoto has a pretty good track record in the past. He his sources, I should say, not, not him specifically, but his sources have proven reliable because he, he's... Uh, He's been able to leak some of the details about Nintendo's mobile plans ahead of time, yeah. like saying that their, you know, their first mobile game would not feature a main character, but that more, uh, you know, characters like Mario and such would be coming in 2016. And then, you know, what do we see? Their first mobile game is Mitomo, just uses Mii's. People get upset, and Kamishima promises, you know, don't worry, the uh, the big hitters are coming in 2016 yeah. as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he's he's been very reliable on that in the past. So. Uh, you know, I'm inclined to believe this is true, but at the same time, I, I agree with people that there's no way that there's, you know, going to be this big turnaround in a brand new Smash Bros. game at launch. You know, I think this is going to be, a, like you said, sort of a championship edition yeah. type thing. This is going to be a port with, you know, maybe extra content. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that a new Smash Bros. game is even remotely possible. Uh, I don't think that that's at all in the cards because, uh, yeah, Sakurai, like you said, he's like he needs a break really bad. Um, so I, I think we could expect a little bit of new content, but not much. I think it's mostly going to be um, a port of the Wii U version upgraded, you know, championship edition. I would imagine, I don't know if you agree with me, but I would imagine all the DLC characters, all the DLC stages and costumes and everything are going to come with the game. Um, I would really hope so. Yeah. Uh, especially because if you buy all the DLC, then, you know, that's something like, what, a hundred plus dollars? Yeah. So, to put it in the retail package for this one, now that it's already all done, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I would hope at the same time that they use that as an opportunity to clean up the menus with, you know, the character selection and the stage selection, because those were not great before, now they're just 
they're a cluster. <laughs> I, I like what you guys are saying about the NX version. I think given that Sakurai is really tired of working on Smash Bros, the a port would not be something he would need a lot of to, to directly supervise. Right. So he can take a nice little break while they make the NX version. However, mm-hmm. we also know that Sakurai is a like masochistic workaholic. So yeah. one thing I could see them doing is adding in a lot of the DLC that people wanted for the Wii U version in the NX version. And I sort of said this back when the the last broadcast came out, but they said they've stopped development on the 3DS and Wii U version. They didn't yeah. say anything about not developing additional content. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think you're onto something there. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a huge slew of new stuff, no. but I, I, I think we can expect a couple of new characters. I am not saying it's guaranteed. Possibly just veterans. Actually. I was going to say, I think, I think two veterans in particular, ice climbers, because now that the 3DS won't be an issue, ice climbers can come back. Everyone's going to want ice climbers back and wolf because obviously people are crying for wolf. Um, <laughs> You're crying wolf. But, oh my God. <laughs> I like wow, how you I, like chopped that joke up right there on the spot. I, I don't even realize when I'm being, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, but then I think maybe a couple of newcomers, too, could be possible, uh, just because, you know, we've seen people wanting characters like K. Rule, Isaac, you know, even some, like, Shovel Knight and stuff. Um, but, and we've seen, you know, all the all the post-Bayonet assault. Uh, I'm sure Sakurai saw a lot of that as well. But I think that part of the reason I explained in a recent episode that we got characters like Cloud and, and, and Bayonetta and Corin over characters like K. Rule and Isaac is because those characters won't sell DLC. They, you know, characters like Cloud are the characters that will sell DLC. Um, they're huge characters. They're crazy popular. They're in a wider audience than just Smash Bros. audience, which, you know, K. Rule and Isaac, anyone who cares about those characters already has Smash. Sorry, it's just true. Um, so I think that they can use a new game as an opportunity to bring in those sort of more Nintendo-centric newcomers and and uh, give the fans what they want in that sense, but also, you know, not... Um, have to put too many development resources into something that is not going to get any sort of financial return. Because DLC is already diminishing returns from the game, and the longer they hold it out, over the longer period of time that they release it, you know, the fewer characters are going to make as much money. It's even more diminishing returns, so. Yeah. Yep. So every report and rumbling from the industry we've heard indicates that NX will have uh, both a handheld and a home console component. So I think another thing that is very possible is that the NX version of Smash Bros. will feature all Wii U and 3DS stages. Yeah. Because, you know, the games are... The, the, the two devices are, you know, thought to be more or less interchangeable in terms of what games you could play. And you brought up Ice Climbers as a DLC character that could, re- or as a character that could return as DLC. Mm-hmm. And the reason Ice Climber didn't make it in beforehand was because 3DS couldn't handle it. But if, you know, NX handheld and NX console are uh, roughly equatable in terms of power, then that shouldn't be a problem. So they'd be a prime candidate to return. Yeah, and I don't know that all the stages will return necessarily, because um, some of the stages are not popular, are not good. So I could see a scenario where they say, well, maybe let's keep some of these away, but bring the more popular ones over, put the work into those, because they can't just port the 3DS stages over, they're going to have to remake them, essentially. Um in order to look nice and pretty on right. home console. So I could see them putting, you know, work into stuff like Magic Ant, maybe Balloon Fight, maybe the F-Zero stage, uh, maybe Nintendogs or something like that. But uh, all stages is possible. Um, I like that idea. It would also make sense given that whatever 
whatever form this is likely to take, it's probably going to be the go-to mode or the go-to version for tournaments uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to have all of the popular stages for tournaments sort of represented. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also possible we could get some new stages, uh, returning stages that have not been in this version of Smash yet. Uh, you know, like Fountain of Dreams or even um, even stuff that was returning on the 3DS but not on the Wii U, like Corneria and stuff like that. Um, so I think we could see some some stuff there in terms of stages and maybe some new ones based on like Splatoon and stuff. But I don't know. I, I don't want to get too... It, naturally, we'll get three Fire Emblem stages, so... <laughs> So, you know, we've, we've heard that NX is expected to sort of absorb Wii U's architecture. We, you know, don't know for sure if it's going to be backwards compatible, but we're kind of, at least I think in the, in the Nintendo's past statements have indicated that it could be. Do you think that they'll offer some kind of deal where if you already own the game on Wii U, you could just pay like a, I don't know, 10 bucks or something and then upgrade to the Championship Edition on NX? I don't know that they'd do that. I, I, I feel like they wouldn't, and I really hope they do. <laughs> I yeah. feel like, that, isn't that what they did with uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4 for Xbox and PlayStation? Like, that was that was how Capcom did it. You could buy the game standalone, mm-hmm. or you could upgrade to it. I, I know right. that was on the same platform, but, but it's I still a model a that's been done. I situation where they say if your Nintendo Network account has downloaded Smash Bros. Right. for Wii U, then you can pay, you know, however many more dollars and download Smash Bros. for NX. But I don't see, you know, I don't see them saying, well, if you've got a physical copy of the game, then you can buy. Well, that actually wouldn't be that hard to implement because all they have to do is do a disc verification on the disc while you're playing the download version. Sure. But would Nintendo know how to do that? Uh, they should now that it's 2016, but hopefully and that they're partnering with DNA as well. We find that we find ourselves saying that way too often. I know. I just, I just don't know that they would realistically implement that. Uh, I do also see them adding some stuff like, uh, so the DLC characters we know, uh, did not get customs, uh, stages like Midgar and, uh, Suzaku Castle, they only got a couple, you know, very few songs. I could see, uh, the DLC franchises also getting new representation in terms of music and trophies, uh, maybe more costumes, stuff like that to really bring them up to speed with the franchises that have been represented like Sonic and Mega Man and stuff like that, um. I would love to see that, but I don't see them putting the work in, honestly. Maybe the music. Maybe the music. Uh, maybe not. I, I feel like I feel like this is an opportunity for them to sort of flesh out what feels incomplete in Smash Bros. Wii U. Um, and those are two of the biggest areas that I think feel incomplete, are the representation in terms of the DLC characters, and the customs too, because all the other characters have customs, DLC characters don't have customs, all the other characters have, like, Palutena's guidance conversations, it's weird that, you know, now what, like, seven characters out of the roster just don't have anything there? Yeah. So, I, I can see them sort of bringing that up to speed and saying, well, let's finish the game now and launch it on NX with all the DLC. Um... And tournament mode. Yeah, well, I would hope tournament mode. I don't know, but um, or and in a similar vein, I can see them adding new uh, like character costumes and skins and stuff for characters like Detective Pikachu, uh, Pikachu yes. Libre. Um, I know those are two Pikachu examples, but those I'm, are the two that really stick out. Right Do you now. really need anything other than Pikachu? I am. Uh, I am. Miss Pac Man for... would be cool. Pac Man Junior oh, would be cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Mr. L. Uh, yeah. I am. I am down for Detective Pikachu. By the way, if they give Pikachu Danny DeVito's voice, <laughs> yes. totally down. Um, but I, I, I can see them because costumes are a, a 
you know, an area that's so easy to, you know, spruce up. So I think I could see them, you know, saying, well, everyone had eight costumes in Wii U. Now they can have like 10 or 12 costumes and add, you know, fill out those extra two or four slots or whatever with characters and costumes that have been, uh, that would have made sense and just haven't been implemented because they didn't do a concerted effort on skins and costumes and then use this concerted effort to do stuff like, yeah, like classic pit, like Metroid fusion suit Samus. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Stuff like that would be really cool. Um, that are, that are colors right now, but could go the extra mile and, um, you know, not demand too much work of them. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, characters that have been introduced since cat Mario maybe could be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah but dry bowser I'm, so i'm just spitballing we've talked a lot about stuff that could be added and while personally i would trust bandai namco to do all this on their own we all know that's never going to happen <laughs> so do we really think that sakurai is going to sort of come out of his smash bros retirement to do to do more stuff um i mean i can see bandai namco doing most of this stuff that um i'm posing um so this, some of the stuff like i mentioned two veterans three newcomers um, I, I kind of foresee. Um, I would definitely imagine Sakurai coming out of his Smash Bros. retirement, as you put it, um, to do you know an amount of work that's basically just another DLC pack. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I I think he could uh, he deserves a break, yeah. But I think he could also say, well, I mean, if I can just develop the amount of content of one more DLC pack and then not have to worry about Smash Bros. until whenever the yeah. Nintendo's next console is, I think he would want to take that deal. You know, I also remember just now. I don't know if it was on our last podcast or the one before, but there was that uh, story where in an interview Sakurai said his next project had already been decided. Yeah, and I think so. That could you know, be I wonder if that's this. this. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Um, so do you guys think there's any hope that, you know, we'll get like sort of dream stuff? Like Alex, you mentioned a tournament mode. Um, oh, please, I would, I please. would love to see the boss smash mode that we've talked about before. Do you think there's any, any hope that they'll do some sort of mode improvements here? Or do you think it's, it's really just going to be a port? Nothing. Else? I don't expect a lot. I, I honestly don't even expect the characters and stages to be totally honest with you, but I could see something like tournament mode which would be a very appropriate addition for a game that they're pushing as sort of the tournament yeah. version of smash bros i guess yeah, making it in. Um, especially now that espn's covering smash yeah do you really not see like characters and stuff though because i i i in terms of the amount of work that they've been doing on this game i don't see new characters happening but in terms i mean think of it this way this is going to need to sell people on the idea of a new Smash Bros. game. This is going to need to attract, first of all, the people who like Smash Bros., but for whatever reason were not captivated by Smash Wii U. And it's going to need to attract the people who bought Smash Wii U in the first place. No one who bought Smash Wii U is going to want to put in the money to upgrade if there's not some new promise of new content. Characters, stages, stuff like that. That is this content around which Smash revolves. So as much as I don't see them wanting to put in the work, I also don't see them releasing a new Smash new quotation marks smash game without at least a couple of new characters i think my skepticism comes one from how pitifully lazy a lot of nintendo's port jobs have been lately and two from how the fighting game community sort of darlings in general have made the transitions to new hardware for example uh, ultra street fighter 4 which I'm pretty sure made it to PS4 with no actual improvements. Um, so I don't know that they'll necessarily see it as something that's necessary to, to yeah. sort of 
release a new Smash Bros. game for this new hardware that lots of people might not have had a chance to play this new Smash Bros. game yet. And in particular with the sort of moon that they're shooting for with NX, that's a that's a pretty big addressable market. Fair enough. So I don't necessarily, it's, it's not so much that I don't see it being a good idea or I don't see it happening. It's just I don't have any real confidence that I can assign to that. You don't, right. The, the faith isn't there. I gotcha. Yeah. I think uh, maybe another possibility uh, for new content they could add is something that uh, hinges on asymmetric gameplay because, you know, you're not just going to have one gamepad anymore. Multiple people can have NXs and hypothetically their handheld NXs will be able to interact with the console NX. So this could be, I don't know, maybe not particularly for Smash Bros, but I I could see asymmetric gameplay continuing to be a a focal part of Nintendo's plan going forward, and it's possible that they could kick that off with some new features for Smash Bros. Yeah, there could be like an adaptation of Smash Run for a home console, for example. Yeah, that's one of the modes that I'm really hoping for and and don't expect is, yeah, a Smash Run, (laughs) you know, NX version. Replace Smash Tour because that's garbage. Get out of here. But a, a big Smash Run that has all four people playing in the same space so that you're interacting with each other in addition to uh, just, you know, coming together with the fight at the end. Because yeah. that, I think, is somewhere that the idea of Smash Run didn't really live up to its potential. You know, for the first, what is it, five, six minutes? You're just playing alone, and that's, I mean, it's fun. It's still Smash Bros, and Smash Bros is fun, but come on, it's its not what you really want from a multiplayer experience like that. Yeah. In the same kind of vein, I'd love to see them bring back good mini games. Target test, please, but that's I don't think that's happening either. Yeah, no. Not not in the meaningful way we all want anyway. Yeah. Um although winding back to what you were saying Ben about NX, I do I I I see that happening for other games. I don't think I see it happening for Smash if it's, you know, a, a port sort of idea. Um mm-hmm. just because yeah, if it's a port, then I mean, uh that would be such a core gameplay element i imagine or or at least a a really intensive mode to develop or feature to even come up with i don't know how they could interact you know with and to maybe put what you're saying in different words smash bros has always been very pure in terms of its game mechanics and i don't they would have to sort of they would have to really shake things up with this and i don't think they're going to shake it up that much for for what appears to be a port exactly yeah so although i would love to for them to shake it up more in future games honestly i know yeah. we've talked before about possibly future smash bros games using this as a base but um as as happy as i am with the mechanics as they are i would love to see what they could do if they tried to shake up the formula yeah i i agree because obviously um, the fun of nintendo characters beating the crap out of each other will still be there and then it will still be fun well and you know still what be pretty true to smash bros you mechanics. know what this actually brings me to a great uh i didn't think i'd get to reveal this today but um this oh, is a no. bit of a tangent. Uh, yeah, you're, you're listening. <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent, but I actually came up with an amazing way. So so we've talked about the idea of Smash Cart before. Uh, and some people are really, really excited about, you know, Nintendo Kart. I love it. That's amazing. And some people are like, no, keep Mario Kart, Mario Kart. I want Mario Kart. Not, I, I don't want to lose focus on the Mario characters, the Mario locations. I've got a brilliant idea. Keep Mario Kart, Mario Kart. Make Double Dash Smash Kart. Have the two characters have being able to punch each other, have more combat mechanics in terms of the carts, 
and make them all these crossover Nintendo stuff. You get two different Nintendo characters in your cart that you can play as at the same time. You get all these fun <laughs> special items. You get those combat mechanics that make it more like Smash Bros. And you also get this awesome, really tight racing thing. And you revive the Double Dash mechanics that Nintendo fans have been wanting to bring back for so long. But then at the same time, you get to keep Mario Kart Mario Kart and keep Mario Kart awesome and pure and, and fun the way it is. Everybody wins in every single way. Well, I think Nintendo might have a little hard time, uh, you know, developing and marketing two different, like, sort of competing racing type games on the same platform, but it is a really intriguing They made, idea. like, ten racing games on the Super Nintendo. They can do it yeah, fine. They've, they've, they've done it before. They did Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Kart 64. Those yeah, they did F-Zero and Mario apart. Kart. They did uh, Stunt Race FX. But, <laughs> Wave yeah, Race. no, it, it's... I, I am liking your pitch much better than just pure Nintendo Kart because yeah. it, it really needs a reason to stand apart from from Mario Kart uh, if they're going to shake up what what their kart racer is. Yeah, and that's that the double dash mechanics are something that the Mario Kart developers have been having a lot of trouble trying to figure out how to work back into Mario Kart. This is a way to work it into a different kind of game where it would really fit really really well, so you can revive both the double dash mechanics that people have been wanting, but also keep Mario Kart the way that 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 is so cohesive and and beautiful, honestly. Honestly, I like your idea of the characters beating each other up on carts, even if yeah. you don't have the double dash mechanic thrown in there. Well, so, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But so. the, it, it, it worked really well for double dash because when you drive up next to somebody, you can punch them off. Um, so it, it just, it made sense. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's my pitch. I hope you all enjoyed that little tangent. Make it happen, Nintendo. Make it happen. Uh, <laughs> um... But it, so it sounds like we're kind of done with the Smash discussion. I'd say so. Yeah, I'm good. Well, so everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A and at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex, where I'll probably mostly be talking about The Witness this week. Uh, and if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show, if you can believe it. Um, as we sign off, please enjoy Chillin' with the Bros, a remix of the bonus game theme from Smash 64, made by an OC remix member called Amphibious. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great week.
For you a pe- For European we owners. For we- blah.